One of the things that I believe is the true tragedy of nursing was nurses arrange their lifestyle based off their differentials for weekend and nights and their holiday pay and inpatient unit. And when you develop a lifestyle based on that income, how will you ever be able to explore other areas of nursing? When you started in a night ER weekend position, working overtime, working extra mm -hmm. to find yourself later on in life. Because there's so many nurses I know are so miserable working nights or so miserable working in the patient unit when if they had just set up their finances a little different in the front end of their career, they could take that pay cut and work Monday through Friday or become mm -hmm. a school nurse or become a home health nurse or just do something different that didn't have such a high pay rate, but they can't, it's so hard to back down once you've already established those lifestyle, the, the cost of that lifestyle. You're listening to Nurses on Fire, the podcast for nurses by nurses aspiring to financial independence. I'm your host, Nasima McElroy of Financially Intentional. Let's spark some flames, y'all. Welcome back to episode six of the Nurses on Fire podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I would be eternally grateful if you took a moment to subscribe, leave a review, and share with other nurses that you know could benefit. I've also been blown away from the feedback from non-nurses that have gotten value from the podcast. Thank you all so, so much for all of the love. So I'm going to share a recent review that was left by... Yant Zell on Apple Podcasts. Great podcast for nurses. I'm so excited about this podcast. Just listen to all the episodes and they're great. I first heard about Nasima's story on Journey to Launch last year. Congratulations, Nasima, on this big milestone and thank you for spreading the fire to nurses and other healthcare providers. As an RN myself, I believe that it is so important to have financial literacy and to pay and invest in yourself first. Thank you, Boom. That was a bomb review. So make sure that when you leave a review, you send a screenshot to Nasima at financiallyintentional.com to be entered to win some awesome prizes. All right, y'all. So in this episode, we'll meet Tara. Tara is a self-proclaimed miser living in the Midwest who was able to invest a large percentage of her income through frugality. Tara is a nurse practitioner well on her way to financial independence. With her house being paid off in three and a half years, she plans to cut down to working 20 hours a week, a sweet spot for her to be able to give compassionate care while at the same time being able to care for her children as they progress through life. Tara started off her nursing career taking action on her plan to retire by 45 and has made it her mission to inspire other nurses to save early and often so that they can work the jobs they are passionate about and not just the highest paying ones to keep up with lifestyle inflation. We will also discuss her various side hustles and the online community, RN to Wealthy, that she's formed with nurses like you in mind. Without further ado, let's hop right into my conversation with Tara. 
So I've been at the same hospital for almost 20 years. I have shifted around in the hospital in different areas from inpatient to emergency room to surgery to outpatient. Right now I'm an outpatient. You know, we all take that pay cut to get those better hours to get those Christmases <laughs> off. And yep. so I'm in there now and I have made it to where I'm working 30 hours a week because as a previous staff nurse in the unit, three days a week has always been my jam. Like I need long three days and then to decompress and to let my mind reset, I need those other days off. And so I've gotten my shifts down to 30 hours, three days a week in clinic. And I have been working towards retirement ever since I read David Bach's book, Smart Women Finish Rich, when I was 24 years old. So what's your retirement goal? My retirement goal was to actually, it's hard because I have small children still, you know, so I could Mm -hmm. pound it out and work overtime and weekends and holidays and do all these things to make that extra money. But I love to be home with these little creatures. And I don't want to look back and miss out on this because when you look at a child's life, you know, that first 18 years of their life, you're going to get 90% of your time with them. And so if I hit it hard and worked really hard, yes, we could do everything quicker and be financially independent quicker, but I don't think it would make me happier. So yeah, but the same thing with me, like I had calculated that if I wanted to technically like retire early, I can grind it out with my two jobs like I had been doing and do it in two and a half years. Or I could just keep my savings rate really high, go to work a couple days a month, and then enjoy time with my family. And I think there's a balancing act with that. And I think the power of nursing is that you can shift between doing either or depending on just how you're feeling or whatever stage of life you're in. So I think that's incredible. So where are you right now? So right now I'm 30 hours a week and my plan is to do this for the next four years or so. Our house gets paid off in three and a half years. Congratulations. That's Thank major. you. Ooh. And so <laughs> then I'd like to go down to 20 hours and then I've feel like I could work forever because I can do anything two days a week and feel so much joy and be able to give compassion and care and to interact with patients. I enjoy it so much that I feel like I could do it forever. That's the sweet thing about nursing too. It's like, we actually love our jobs. (laughs) Well, most of us do. I mean, there's the burnout is real. And I think that comes with, because you can literally work as much as you want to. A lot of people do until they get burnt out. But I think that like two days a week is so perfect and you can still live your life by design. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've heard so many people say, I'll probably work forever, but two days a week is usually, or or less than 20 hours is usually kind of where they end up. Mm -hmm. Because it's mentally and emotionally fulfilling Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And so, yeah, then I can choose what I want to do. And if we want to pull the trigger and retire sooner, I can. But if I don't, I can continue to work and enjoy what I'm doing. My biggest thing is to just be there for my kids, not only when they're little, but to be there around when they're 13, 14, making those crucial decisions in their lives, to be just hanging around. That way, when they are ready to talk and want to talk, you're available. But if you're working 40, 50 hours a week, you can't be that parent that hears what's going on and has some insight and can give good advice when they ask for it. You are so in the dark when you're working all the time with teenagers. And so I, 
that's when I really want to be available as well is when they're teenagers and where my husband hopefully will be able to cut back his hours and at some point as well. And we'll be around for them to grow and ask us questions. You know, I think that's an awesome position to be in just to be there for your kids. So have you always been good financially? Have you always just been naturally frugal? Or what was a turning point in your life where you knew that you wanted to do better financially and with your career? Um, I came from a family that I thought was poor, but we were not. (laughs) (laughs) They tricked us. They were really good about making us feel like, oh, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. But really, it's we're not going to spend our money on that because we spend our money on other things or we have another plan. Mm. And so both my parents were very frugal. I mean, to the point of dumpster diving for tortilla chips because they're fine. Their packaging just wasn't good. So (laughs) we would do these silly things and, and, you know, it's not like we couldn't afford a bag of chips. It's just, they wanted to instill the value of recycling and reusing and not being wasteful. And so I was raised in that mindset. And then when I graduated from high school, I graduated in the top 10% of my class with honors, but nobody noticed, nobody noticed. And so I didn't get any scholarships. I didn't apply. Nobody noticed. And so I didn't apply for scholarships. I didn't apply for things. I went to college, but they thought it was a waste of my time. You know, you're not going to actually finish. And so I had to make a decision on how I was going to go through college because I wasn't getting financial support. And, and your I parents knew, taught you not to take out debt, right? Yeah, never take out a loan. Yeah. I mean, that would be just the worst thing you could do for your life is to ever take out student debt. That's just horrible. And so I was taught to work full time through college. And then I went to college full time. And there's some things I would have done differently. I would have gotten my associates first and then started working sooner. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have the quintessential college life where I partied and lived in the dorms. I lived at home and I worked and I struggled because I was so many of my hours were committed to making money and not necessarily mm-hmm. studying. And so once I graduated, I ended up taking out a, a Perkins loans, mm-hmm. which was uh, $5,000 where the state paid it back if I stayed as a nurse for five years. Oh. And so it was you know, 5,000, which is nothing Mm -hmm. for your whole college career, right? but it was good enough. And so that was all I graduated with when I became a nurse. And I met with the financial advisor of the hospital when I was 24. And I said, I want to retire when I'm 45. Mm. And he laughed in my face and said, that's not a thing. (laughs) You can live a good life. So just put 10, 15% in and you'll do be doing better than everyone else around you. Wow. And that's what I did because that's what this old white dude told me to do. Right? <laughs> it was just so, if I would have just met with somebody different, someone that had a little more insight, you know, everything would be a lot different right now, but it's still good. You know, I don't, there's no regret, no remorse. It's fine. But just for that to have be the conversation that started my financial investing attitude, I mean, I just, it was just. It is what it is, you know. And so that's what I did. I spent more money on, you know, going out, eating out, doing things that most 20-year-olds do. That's not always smart. I did take out a car loan, which it was a, like a 1.5% car loan for the first 12 months. Uh-huh. And then it went to like 6%. Mm. And so I paid that car off in 12 months. <laughs> I heard doing that. crazy things, you know, like, oh my gosh, you need me to work for two hours on a Sunday. I'll come in for you for two hours on a Sunday. And I would come in, I'd work for two hours or I picked up everybody's Mother's Day, everybody's Christmases, everybody's holidays because I wanted that extra percentage, that extra differential. And yeah, I bought a Toyota Corolla, uh, <laughs> paid it off in a year. 
It must have been brand new to get like that low interest rate. Gosh, I think it was just some crazy bank deal. No, it was like a year old. I didn't buy a brand new one. Okay, so you got it, a loan from the bank. Okay. Yeah, it was some deal that came out that I jumped on. But so yeah, so this has always been kind of in my blood. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, you go through that lifestyle inflation and you go through that fatigue of I'm saving just to save. What am I doing? Like, why am I doing all this to stay in this financial position, which, you know, in the Midwest, I started off at $14 an hour as a nurse. Can't even imagine. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't saving a ton of money, but I was saving a ton of my paycheck, Mm. you know? So there was a big discrepancy there. So, you know, you start to think, why am I doing this? You know, I could die tomorrow. I could get hit by a car tomorrow. What am I doing? And Mm -hmm. so I kind of did lapse a little bit after I had my first daughter and, we weren't saving as much, but then we kicked things back up when we started to find the financial independence movement. Cause it's like, Oh, it's not just to like retire when you're 60. Like we can do this in our forties or 50, you know, in early fifties, like my parents did. So when did you discover the movement? Cause it sounded like you were like, I want to retire at 45. You already had the concepts of what a lot of FI is about, but when did it, what year actually was it that you found the movement? So it was about two years ago, one okay. to two years ago. Yeah, it wasn't uh-huh. that long ago, but I was, we were saving between, at all times of our, since I was 24, I was saving between 15 and 20% of my oh, wow. income from the time okay. I started working. And so it's always been, I've always been saving, mm-hmm. but it was more the things of, it was more the cutting the expenses I didn't really recognize I could cut even further without any, mm-hmm. it was like a no pain cut, you know, right. oh, we're gonna call our insurance company, because we haven't called them in three years and renegotiate, we're gonna cut our cable, we're gonna cut these little things that made no difference in our life, no quality of living for us. Mm. And that was a huge chunk of money we were able to save every month by just making these little tiny tweaks. And that money went into investing. Yes. And also think about it. It was 2004 when I started investing. I went through the 2008 slump. I told Mm -hmm. all my friends, if you take your money out of the stock market, I won't help you suction your patience. (laughs) Because we had to do two people each time. So I was constantly begging my friends, like, don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. Just keep investing. Keep dumping money in. It's on sale. And so we went through that whole 2008 slump and just kept putting money in. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then you saw that big climb. I mean, because you started with a good foundation at that point. So then it was like, just up from there. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. That's so cool. Living debt free can make is just that's makes all the difference too. definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So what tools I mean, you just talked about debt freedom, but what specific tools are you using to optimize your career and also optimize your finances? So obviously, with everybody, we're all trying to save on taxes, you know, and so optimizing, maxing out our 401ks, maxing out our Roth IRAs. And it wasn't until I found the financial independent movement that I was like, oh my gosh, why am I not maxing out my HSA? And why am I sending the receipts in and cash taking money out of those accounts when I could be saving my receipt, maxing out our HSA? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big, big difference when we started saving for retirement is not realizing how important that HSA would be for us in 10 years. Do you have years. access to a 457? We do not. Okay. No. Okay. I know you would be maxing that out if you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I actually have access to a 457 because of the unique kind of community hospital that I work in. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's pretty cool. But because I've been per diem there like eight out of the nine years. <laughs> 
that I've worked there, I haven't been able to tap into it, but oh, soon gotcha. come, soon come. I think it's it's something that is coming up soon. So so just maximizing those retirement accounts have been really key factors in growing your wealth. And paying down on the house as much as we can. Yeah. And those are also saving on taxes as well because you're decreasing your, what is it called? <laughs> you're decreasing your take-home pay. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Your taxable income. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then not creating debt, you know, that is a huge expense. Anytime you create debt for yourselves, that's a huge expense. And so we are not depriving ourselves, but we're holding off on those purchases until we have money in the bank to pay for it. Delay gratification is a beautiful thing. (laughs) That's probably made one of the biggest difference is just Mm -hmm. not taking out those loans like everybody else. Right, right. So where do you see yourself in the next 10 to 20 years? What would be the optimal position for you to be in financially and with your career? I know we talked about that two days a week and working forever, but, and you being there with your kids for whenever they need you, but financially and it like with your money, where do you want to see that grow and where are you taking your career? So in 10 years, I don't know that I will still be working. Um, If I was, I would be doing, you know, two days a week, but our big goal then, so in 10 years, so actually we'll say 13 years from now, both my kids will have graduated from high school and they'll be out of the nest. And Mm. so we've talked, my husband and I have done a lot of brainstorming. We actually call it front porch financials because we sit on our front porch and drink beer and talk about our plans. That's awesome. (laughs) And so what we would love to be able to do is we've been looking pretty aggressively for a home that has a apartment basement, Mm -hmm. um, like a walkout apartment basement. And we'd like to, you know, grow our family in there, live there, get our kids off to college or wherever they want to go. Mm -hmm. And then move into that basement apartment for next to nothing, rent out the upper level and just just live for free and use the rest of that money to travel and to just enjoy life or help our kids more. Because the house isn't that important to us Mm -hmm. once our kids are gone. Now we need the space. I mean, we have a beautiful home and a beautiful neighborhood, but that space and necessity won't be as important in 13 years. Right. And if we buy that type of a home, it's going to be in a beautiful neighborhood again with beautiful neighbors and the beautiful suburbs, you know, and you we just would won't be, be paying the, for it. <laughs> we just will be paying for Right. Cause you know, when you yeah. look at cheaper housing, you know, especially in Nebraska, if we were to find cheaper housing, that changes the type of neighborhood you're in, you know? Right. And right. so we would still try to be in the same type of fluent neighborhood that we're in, but just living a little differently than everybody else. But in Nebraska, in an affluent neighborhood, what's the average housing cost? Probably 300,000. Yeah. But you're looking at $6,000 in house taxes every year. That's still nothing. Did that just blow your mind? <laughs> Girl, no, no because no, no. because I, I lived in, I mean, you know, my house in Northern California, and it was in a suburb of Northern California. I think I was paying $18,000 a year for taxes. Are you kidding me? No, girl. Because Warren Buffett constantly talks about how his little house in Omaha is higher taxes than his house in California. It depends on what part of California. Like, even if I would have bought across the street, my taxes would have been lower. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because it depends because the subdivision I lived in had parks that were ran by the city, right? Mm-hmm. So we got taxed more. Like, and I'm talking about parks with water and like all this stuff is really nice. 
but I didn't feel like I needed to pay another a few thousand, you know, extra in taxes because of it. But yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, $6,000 a year in taxes. And that's one of the things that people do not calculate when they look at the the housing costs and the cost of renting versus or buying versus renting is that those taxes can eat you up. Mm-hmm. And that's forever. Like, even if you pay off your house, like, that's forever. Right. So, yeah, I think it's super important to note. But, uh, yeah, it is crazy that in uh, with a house that you're paying $300,000 for, you're paying $6,000 a year in taxes. Yes. But taxes are like the bane of my existence, especially in California. So I'm just like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, we've, yeah. we've been looking to try to buy a rental. And every time we calculate the taxes into the cost of the rental, it makes it so much harder to pull the trigger. Why are the taxes so high in Nebraska? We have great school systems, maybe. Mm. <laughs> Our roads get completely destroyed every winter, so we have to pay a lot of money for roads. Um. It's And then with all the flooding that we had, that took out a lot of streets. Yeah, I don't know... I don't know where it all goes, but we definitely pay a lot in our property taxes every year. Wow, that's crazy. But in going back to where you see yourself in 10 years, I think that's amazing that you would basically just live for free. You have no housing costs. You can travel the world. You can support your kids as you want to. Like to me, that's like the American dream. Like that's everything. That's where <laughs> that's where I want to be too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. I love that. But we want to be able to still be around when they're little, you know. So it's such yeah, a catch twenty two. Exactly. It's so hard but- to say I'm gonna do these things, but I still want to be available. So you know, why am I even working right now, right? Should I be working and should I just be enjoying my children or should I work harder and then have more time in that back end? I mean, it's just that's that constant struggle I have as a mom of what am I really doing with my life? I think what keeps me kind of sane in that area is just maintaining my savings rate and making sure that that's really high so that at any time where I feel like I do need to step away, I still feel like I'm still in a good place financially. And if I want to lean in more, my savings rate is even higher. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that that's what gives me a little bit of that <laughs> balance in that area. But yeah, I totally get it. Like, you know, it's that mom guilt. Like, we should be here mm-hmm. <laughs> for these important fundamental years of our kids life and we're working so it's definitely a challenge i'm known as a debt slayer because of the two hundred thousand dollars in student loans i slayed in two and a half years i hated those loans and dealing with the loan servicers i was head down and focused and wanted to get rid of the debt as soon as possible Knocking out these loans and seeing a zero loan balance was one of the most liberating feelings I have ever felt. But recently I learned that by not optimizing my student loan payoff strategy, I lost money. I'm talking about big money, y'all. I could have saved $80,000 if I had a customized student loan plan by the team at Student Loan Planner. Please don't make the same mistake as me. If you have student loan debt, especially in the six figures, head over to studentloanplanner.com slash financially intentional to get your customized student loan plan today. Do you know how your retirement funds are invested? Do you know how much you're paying in fees? Chances are you're on the same boat as some of my coworkers. Some of them set up their retirement when they first got hired and never looked at it again. 
Some have let a computer select their investments and don't even know what they're invested in. Worst of all, some people have their retirement funds sitting in a savings account and they're not even invested in the market because they're afraid to lose money. That's hella scary, y'all. What's even scarier is that some of you listening don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. And guess what? This is super common. This has to change today. Let Bloom do the work for you. Head over to financiallyintentional.com slash Bloom and get your free retirement account analysis. They'll check and see if your retirement account is optimized for you and they'll let you know if you're paying too much in fees. That's Bloom with three O's. Bloom can also manage your retirement account on an ongoing basis so you can take the stress out of retirement planning. If you choose to work with Bloom, their fees are incredibly low, less than your Netflix subscription. You have enough to worry about. Let Bloom handle your retirement account. The hardest thing you'll have to do when it comes to your retirement is remember that Bloom is spelled with three O's. Head over to financiallyintentional.com slash Bloom. Remember, spelled with three O's and get your retirement account squared away today. One of the things that I believe is the true tragedy of nursing was nurses arrange their lifestyle based off their differentials for weekend and nights and their holiday pay mm-hmm. and inpatient unit. And when you develop a lifestyle based on that income, how will you ever be able to explore other areas of nursing when you started in a night ER weekend position, working overtime, working extra mm-hmm. to find yourself later on in life because there's so many nurses I know are so miserable working nights are so miserable working in the patient unit when if they had just set up their finances a little different in the front end of their career they could take that pay cut and work Monday through Friday or become Mm -hmm. a school nurse or become a home health nurse or just do something different that didn't have such a high pay rate but they can't it's so hard to back down once you've already established those lifestyle the, the cost of that lifestyle I think that's super important. Like I've heard it phrased other ways. It's just like live off of one income if you're, you know, in, if you're married or, you know, in a partnership with someone, just live off of one income. But I think that is also super important to live off of your base salary. Don't let the shift differentials, don't let that overtime pay become like what you're used to getting paid because that's how lifestyle creeps up on you. That's how you end up working night shift and you're 75 years old <laughs> and you still, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like, and you know, you know, nurses like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I know plenty of nurses like that, that are still stuck because it's the lifestyle that they chose and it's the lifestyle that they're still funding. When I left nights, I had lost 30 pounds. I was so sick. I was so sick. And I, what? it took about two to three weeks of being on day shift that I, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh. This is what you're supposed to feel like. This is a normal this is a normal life again. This is what waking up in the morning and not thinking yourself like, "Oh, I can't do this. I can't go on. I can't move." You know, it just it was such a transition. I'm mad at myself for staying at it as long as I did because I I definitely suffered physically during that time. Well, I cannot empathize because I am a lifelong night, oh. <laughs> night shift nurse. And 
Uh, good for you. And I actually had like some real challenges going to day shift. It was just too much noise. It was too many people around. It was too many visitors. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't, and I got paid less. I was really upset. So <laughs> <laughs> I like my nights, you know, and I, I understand that the toll that it takes on you physically. So it's something that I don't plan on doing forever, but I definitely like night shift. And I know I'm few and far between in the way that I feel about that. Mm-hmm. But you know, there has to be somebody that likes it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's plenty of people who, from the age of 22, getting into nursing until their 30s, then they're like, whoa, what, something happened. I can't do this anymore. You know, they do. They thrive on night shift for their early 20s. But then there's a moment, and that's why you look at night shift, and they're all young, learning the job at 2 o'clock in the morning, because you just, a lot of people physically can't can't manage after a certain age. Let's talk about just nursing for a second and the diversity that there is in nursing. And what would you recommend somebody going into nursing or somebody thinking about nursing? What would you recommend that they do or think about? I think it's important to do as much shadowing as you possibly can, (laughs) because once you start those classes, unless you stay in the health care profession, it's really hard to transition to a different role or different major. I... I went through nursing school very, I hated nursing school. I I hated it. I mean, I was not a pleasant person during nursing school because I just hated the way we were taught. I hated the Mm -hmm. curriculum. I just didn't feel like it was an acceptable education for me, for the way I learn. And the only reason, the only reason I stuck (laughs) through it was because I was also working in the unit as a care partner, a CNA. And I loved the unit I was in. I loved the patient population. I loved the nurses and they kept me going. And it's so, it would have been so sad. It would have been so devastating to have dropped out of nursing school because I thought it wasn't for me when really it was the program. And it's just the growing pains you have to go through when you're in nursing school. If I hadn't had my niche already figured out, I wouldn't have finished. I would have found, I would have been like something else. I would have found somewhere else to go. And so I do think Shadowing or yeah, doing a CNA? Okay, sorry about that. I, sorry, fortunately, went to nursing school as like my third degree. I already had a master's degree before I went back to nursing school. It was by far the most challenging, unnecessarily challenging mm-hmm. <laughs> degree that I had. So I really second your sentiments. Like, just get through nursing school. Mm-hmm. Just get through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then come out on the other side because the world of nursing is so dynamic. There's so many opportunities and there's so many areas you can go to go into depending on what your interests are. So I think that keep your eye on the prize and know that (laughs) there's something better at the end of that rainbow. So yeah, there's so much out there being a nurse, but I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Well, and I also feel that if you can find a hospital that has a a nursing residency program that actually floats you to different areas of the hospital as a new nurse to give you just a really good insight of where your fit is, you may think that you would be the best critical care nurse. And that might be true, but at that hospital, you don't jive with any of the other nurses. But then you went over to, you know, the med surge unit or the surgical unit, and you're like, wow, I enjoy the work, and the nurses that are here are my people. These are my people. And I think you can find your happy place and find a really good space for yourself when you have that time to get to know that everyone in that hospital instead of just walking in, having a 
30 minute interview. And the next thing you know, is you're a critical care nurse on a unit where you would, you would have thrived if you had the right people around you. I, yeah, I think, I think nurse residencies are, I think those are huge. Um, but I'm finding that they're few and far between, at least in my experience in the Bay Area. Okay. Um, how common are they by you? They're in both, at least both of the major hospitals in Nebraska that I've been exposed to. And they've decreased our nursing turnover rate with the new grads too significantly. So I think financially, it's the best thing for the hospital to do. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And it changes your culture because you're bringing in like-minded people because they've gotten to know you. They've been around. They know where they want to be after having some exposure to the staff versus just getting thrown in with a bunch of strangers and hoping you fit in. Yeah, I think that the only one that we had like that was during the downturn in the market. And I think you actually had to pay to be a part of that program, which is insane. (laughs) Wow. No. Yeah. But I do want to switch gears here. And I want to talk to you about the several (laughs) businesses that you have in areas of expertise that are nursing related that you've done on top of being a dynamic mom, on top of being a fantastic nurse, you also have these exceptional businesses. So why don't you go ahead and share with our community, what are some other things that you're doing, you know, on the side, just for fun, like Mm -hmm. people do. (laughs) One of my passion projects I started working on is after I listened to Choose FI podcast that said, you should start a website. I thought, (laughs) huh, I could start a website. That would be interesting to learn how to do. So I went to the library and uh, signed up for some free courses on how to build a WordPress website. And... (laughs) You know, you start working on it and you think to yourself, okay, what, what expertise do I have in the world? You know, we, most of us know a little bit about everything, but not a lot of us know a lot about something. And what can we bring to the table to put out there? And what I came up with was I was seeing so many patients that were having these inaccurate ideas of how to cure their child's bedwetting. They would come in and tell me they were using cypress oil. They were telling me they were having their kids chew on cinnamon sticks, which is not healthy, by the way. They were um, waking their kids up every night for every hour, every night, you know, just to get them to wake up. And all of these things are either detrimental to the child or not effective. And they were finding this information from friends, from Facebook, from Pinterest. And so I thought that I would do a service in the sense of putting some actual literature out there on bedwetting that is proven and supported by evidence-based research and then put together all the products I recommend to patients so they know they don't need to spend $200 on a bedwetting alarm. They can spend 30 bucks and get just as good of results. And so www.bedwetting.support is my website that I've been working on. And I give little blitzes on the research that's available, um, information about some behavioral therapy that you can do to help your child along the path. And then there's a workbook available. And this is all really good information. I mean, we spent our pre-call talking mostly about this (laughs) because I'm experiencing issues along those same lines too. And you also have a resource to share with us in regards to that. Yeah. So I do have a workbook that kind of goes through the same process I share with my patients. So on that web website, you can put in a promo code of uh, FIRE2019, and then you can have access for free to the workbook so that you have actual evidence-based research supporting what you do with your child. And having that accessible to people, I think, is really important because when you look at a lot of the bedwetting websites, you're they're asking for $200, $300 to help your kid cure bedwetting. And 
it's that's not necessary. Right. Okay. Let's talk about your more fun venture. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I do because I've gone to Disney nine times in the last seven years to Disney World in Florida. <laughs> I am just, I think what it is, is when I go, I turn off my email, I turn off Epic, I'm out of office, I don't look at it, and I am 110% engaged with my family. And so I feel like I have made Disney World the most magical place in my life, because I am so disconnected, because I've spent a lot of money (laughs) to focus on my family. And I don't know that I always do that for every vacation we go on. And so after doing that so many times, I learned that there was actually, you could become a travel agent that booked Disney trips. And so I became a travel agent that booked Disney trips. And it's the same price as you would pay if you went to the Disney website and booked your trip that way. Only we give all the resources on which fast, we actually book the fast passes for you at six o'clock in the morning, uh, central time. And that's uh, golden, yes. golden, get golden, by the way. Everything organized. I did not get any fast passes. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me that. That is well, devastating. I got some, but they were like whack. So. <laughs> There's a system. I mean, there's a very specific system on how to get the avatar right. I mean, you don't, you have to book that day on a certain day of your trip so that you have the highest chance of getting a fast pass for that. I mean, there's very, you have to do it often to know how to make it work the best for your client's trip. But so that's my side, side hustle. It's the only thing, the only side hustle I actually make money off of. (laughs) because it's just super fun. And I feel like I'm going on the trip with them because I get so excited when I get all the best rides. It's inappropriate how excited I get. Um, So you've actually been to Disney hundreds of times. Yeah, (laughs) it feels like it. And then as they post their Facebook pictures, I get so excited. And so I, the website um, for that is 402vacations.com. And all of these will be in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about writing them down if you're driving or running around like I do when I listen to my podcast podcast. And also you have the RN to Wealthy Facebook community, which is a phenomenal community where you post a lot of resources and articles, which I am enjoying. Yes. So the reason that started about, so in 2004, like I said, I read David Box, Smart Women Finish Rich. So I read it. This is how frugal I am. I sat at Barnes and Nobles and read it there because I didn't want to buy it. <laughs> So I read it two nights. I read it after my ICU shift. I went over there and sat there. And I then, of course, was an expert. Obviously, I read a book about money. So I know everything that means everything. And so I harassed all of my friends in the ICU and said, you have to set up your 401k right now. Like you have to do it today. And at the time, we were not automatically enrolled in for our 401ks. We had to specifically get into the website and set it up. And mm. so many of my colleagues were terrified to do anything like that because they didn't even know what buttons to click, what it meant, what to invest in. And the investments were super simple because it was like, I want to retire in 2040. And you click that button. It wasn't hard. It was just they felt so fearful to take the plunge and start giving their money somewhere. That they didn't quite understand. It could also be that, you know, they also saw that big white guy that told you to invest <laughs> 10%. Because actually, in all honesty, that's the exact same experience that a lot of nurses at my hospital have. There's this big white guy that t- that is our investment advisor for the hospital. And people are legit intimidated to talk to him. And mm-hmm. so they just do nothing about their retirement. Right. It's not acceptable, you guys. It's not acceptable. 
Uh, and, you know, the big white guy is a little bit nice too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, so I did that again, 2004. And I would say, I, I'm going to teach you how to do CPR. Or I'm going to teach you how to run a code. But then when we're done with that, I'm going to teach you how to set up your retirement account. So anyone I trained, I forced them <laughs> to set up the retirement account. And then I kind of badgered them in the sense of only cool people put in at least 10%. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then I automatically enrolled them for the automatic increase every for one percent every year, automatic. Awesome! They didn't even notice it. They probably. <laughs> I feel like I was honest, but I bet they didn't know what I was doing. Right. And I had someone grab me in the hallway about I don't know, it was six months ago or so, and said, "Tara, I have to tell you, I have two hundred thousand dollars, and I don't know how it happened. <laughs> like, wow, what happened here? Because we had set up their accounts so long ago, they didn't." feel the money coming out. They didn't really pay any attention because the paperwork we get sent to our home is not very clear. It doesn't give you this actual amount. So right. they, they were like, oh my gosh. And my new husband and I were looking at finances and he thinks I'm a genius. <laughs> hey, that's right. <laughs> you yes, know? girl, you are. And so... Because you sat down with Tara. Yes, so we, it was so simple. It was such a... <laughs> back then again, we were starting at $14 an hour. So it was such a tiny amount going into these accounts. Mm-hmm. But over time, you know, with our pay raises and market adjustments and their 1% increase every year, it made a huge difference. And again, it was through 2008 crash and then we went back up. But a lot of friends of mine, actually, after I had started the R&D Wealthy group, reached out to me and said, you're not going to believe how much money I have. And it just kind of trickled down like, oh my gosh, so many of my friends or previous coworkers are doing so well right now. And it just took one person to say, please click this button please do this. Right. You know? Right. And so that's where this kind of started where I thought, well, maybe if I can get some information out there and I post stuff on midwestmiser.com when I want to explain something to someone, I'm like, well, I'm going to type it up and then I'm going to send you the link. And then that's kind of how we communicate a little bit rather than me telling the same story and explaining things the same way over and over. And it's been super fun. I've had a lot of really positive feedback. I don't get a lot of activity on the page. I know everyone's reading it because they send me personal messages instead of... (laughs) Responding, commenting, yeah. <laughs> to tell That's me how they, it works, yeah. Yeah, I've made the diff. I've made the change. Thank you for posting that. It's like, oh, you need to put it. At, you need to put your wins. You need to put your successes on here, so everyone feels I can do it too. Yes, I know from having a Facebook community for some time. <laughs> that it could feel like you're talking to yourself, mm-hmm. but hang in there. It'll get better. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fine Definitely. with it. Cause I know it's sinking in. Cause I have friends at work that are like, Oh man, I made this change or I finally switched my cell phone plan. Thank you for posting that. You know, just mm-hmm. think, you just need that little encouragement here and there to make these little changes that do not yeah. affect your life. It does not need, you don't need to live frugally like me. You just need to make little changes that will make big impacts. It's not about deprivation. Mm-hmm. It's about, that aggregation of marginal gains. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been amazing, Tara. And I just wanted you to give the opportunity to just, you already mentioned how people can get in contact with you, but just sum all that up because you have so many different places. But what, where's the best place that people can get in contact with you? Probably through the RN to Wealthy Facebook group. Okay, that's awesome. And anything else you want to share with our audience? I do. So I might sound like a crazy person by doing all these little things here and there and having kids and working. But I want to remind folks that if you have kids and they go to bed at 8 o'clock, I go to bed at 10 o'clock. I have two hours every night to get stuff done. And when someone tells me I'm crazy that I'm working too hard and I need to just take a break, 
I remind them that they just told me that they had binged on Netflix for the last two weeks and are all caught up on Games of Thrones where they could have been doing <laughs> other things with that time. Or it's like, I just saw you scrolling through old Navy clothes for the last 45 minutes and you didn't even buy anything. Right. <laughs> you could have been using that time to do, be doing something amazing or learning something or reaching out to someone you haven't spoken to in a while. You could be doing such more enjoyable things with your life instead of just following the status quo, which is watching TV and shopping online and not, not living your best life. And that's my personal (laughs) opinion on that. But I think we could all do so much better with reaching out and connecting with people and at the same time, working harder on educating ourselves and the things that we don't understand or things we're uncomfortable with, such as finances. I could not have said it better myself. So put them kids to bed early. (laughs) Even if it's just an extra hour to yourself to get things done. And girl, I know you don't, you don't watch Game of Thrones because you just call the Games of Thrones. (laughs) So I know. (laughs) No idea what's on there. I love it. But this has been awesome. You are amazing, Tara. And I thank you so much for sharing your story with me and the Nurses on Fire audience. And with that, I'm going to close it out. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And you can see that Tara has a passion for making sure that her nursing colleagues optimize every opportunity that they can to make sure that they're doing better with their money. The first lesson that I hope you can take away is to start investing young. Yeah, you may have heard me say this a time or two before, but that's because it's super important. Every nurse that was on the floor with Tara, she took aside and made them enroll in their hospital retirement account, which at the time she was a floor nurse, wasn't a requirement. Not only did she enroll them, but she made certain that every year there was a small increase to their contributions. She tells the story of her colleague telling her that she had $200,000 in her retirement account and didn't even have a clue until she had to pull her documents to buy a house. Listen, compound interest is indeed the eighth wonder of the world. The next lesson I hope that you can take away is to find your nursing niche that you love. There's a quote that states that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Make sure that you take advantage of the job shadowing opportunities and floating in your organization as you never know what you like until you try it. The third lesson is to live off of your base daytime salary. Never allow lifestyle inflation to include your night or weekend differential because you'll get stuck working shifts that aren't a best fit for your emotional and physical health just so that you can make ends meet. If you create a budget that is based around the minimum that you can make and not the maximum and are able to live off of that, then the extra income can then be used to fund your early retirement and those extra things that spark joy in your life. You've been listening to Nurses on Fire. If you want to learn more about me or my guests, check out our show notes page. If you found value, please support our show by supporting our sponsors and affiliates also listed in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating and subscribe 
on Apple, Spotify, Google, or whatever podcast app you're using to stream this show. You guys, tell all the nurses in your life to subscribe. (laughs) And if you know a nurse with a compelling money story and would like me to feature them, shoot me an email at nasima at financiallyintentional.com. All right, y'all. Much love and keep them fires blazing. Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye-bye.